0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Penny and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on our news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 198, not just football today. We're actually going to start off with a little bit of baseball. And, you know, we've had spring like temperatures in the Northeast, despite it being winter, or spring like for winter time, for the past, with the exception of a few days, the past month or so. And. We're to the point we're going to start kicking up the baseball season, and, of course, it's 20 degrees and snowing. So it doesn't feel like much like a baseball conversation, uh, kind of weather, but um, we're going to go with it anyways. And uh, some new changes coming into the season. You brought it up before we started recording, uh, things that um, have been talked about for a long time. And I think, look, if you've listened to this ep- this show for a while, you remember Sport Court. With, I defended baseball, and Ben was you know, not defending baseball, to put it lightly. Um, and, and there's several things that, that have occurred that, that that have made me kind of get to the point, too, where I'm just like, all right, this game is on life support. I mean, financially, it's fine for now. That's not going to last forever. People, the numbers don't lie. People people are not watching baseball as like much as they used to anymore. And they can kind of get away with that as long as attendance is still good and they're still getting those live gate numbers. But, um They need to be changes made. So at the very least, whether any of the following are good or bad, uh, I do give them credit as much as you can. I mean, it's essentially, it's like the Titanic sinking and you're like, oh, we should patch that hole instead of not running into the iceberg. Like all things being equal, knowing what would happen. Like, so it's not, they don't deserve an abundance of credit because it's only when it gets to the point where, the game's finances are in danger, which is the only way anything ever changes in baseball. Right. Uh, it's at that point. So I'm not going to give them too much credit because they have to make these changes. They could have done it 10 years ago. And when everything started getting really, really ridiculous and improved it before this, but nonetheless, we're here now we where to discuss what's happening now. And would you like to read off the list of the new attempts at game improvements that the league is trying in spring training.
1: Sure. Uh well Jeff Passon tweeted this out about 23 hours ago which would have uh, predated the uh the games for the Padres, Mariners, Royals, Rangers. Um here's a quick tweet, nothing too serious, um but uh kind of um impactful to see if these uh, actually stick. They got a pitch clock, um a shift band ban, sorry. Uh, pickoff limit and bigger bases, which I saw a lot of um up in the recent past I'd say two two weeks I, I saw a lot of images about comparing the new bases um they're they're a significant bigger size. So I will say that um the uh, actually, I'm looking at an image right now, and it's 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 pretty significant. we're talking probably two inches all around bigger. Hmm size, the big thing, and this has been a point in contention for years, because I think minor leagues has had they institute, because they can institute pitch things in the minor leagues, and they don't really need to negotiate it. Uh, the pitch clock's been going on for quite a few years now. Uh, I want to say at least two or three. Uh, and I just pulled up, there's an interesting article, Chris, on um, 538.com five. Five thirty eight I apologize. Um, and they did a breakdown because there's um. So for when the bases are empty, it's a fifteen second clock, mm-hmm. and when the bases are got um people on, it's it's twenty seconds. Okay. They did a breakdown of the twenty twenty two pitchers. Fifty nine pitchers would not meet the fifteen second cutoff wow. for the. And then 49 would not meet the occupy pitch clock, and 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 to, to let everyone know, this is not just about the pitchers. This is also about the hitters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And why I say that is because the first violation was also instituted yesterday when Manny Machado, I think, took a little bit too long. Pitcher was ready, he wasn't, and they called a strike. And I think he, I actually think he struck out.
0: Um, so to speak. So is that, is that the, I'm not aware of the punishment or not. Cause I kind of, honestly, I kind of stayed away from, uh,
1: uh, from baseball most of
0: the off season. So the, the the penalty for a bat, a batter would be a strike. And I assume and, a pitcher would be a ball. The ball. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then obviously if you have three balls and you get another one, well, you get a yeah. walk. Right. Uh, I, sure like I love a... that rule. <laughs> um, but the idea, uh, as as we've discussed um, with a lot of things, is it's just to speed up the game. Yeah, I, and I get the players' perspective, but to a T, a lot of players when they retire, even David Ortiz has come out and said it. Baseball is almost unwashable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Until you step outside of it and you're not living inside of it, you don't really grasp it. And then when you step outside, you're like, Wow, how can I sit down? Watch three and a half, four hours. How can I go to a game, spend the money, even if you don't spend money, even if you're David Ortiz and and you don't have to spend the money and you're there, how am I going to take four hours of my life and watch a game? It's unfeasible with, with the amount of action going on. It's, it's unattainable to be honest with you.
0: And you know it too. I mean, we live in different areas now, but for a while we lived in relatively the same area. And, I mean, you know as well as I do, unless you live in, like, downtown Boston, get to Fenway Park. While I love Fenway, and it's a it's a beautiful place to watch a game, and it's historic, and I have nothing but love for it. Getting there is an absolute pain in the ass of the highest, <laughs> highest proportions. You're talking about an hour and a half drive from home, which isn't the team's fault. We live where we live. They are where they are. That's fine. That's not their problem. Right. Um, none of this outside stuff is their fault it just is what it is but you know you're talking an hour and a half to get to we used to just park at the t station and then take the train right. in so then you're talking half an hour so you're talking minimum two hours from the moment you leave your front door you're just at the t station on the other end of your ride to get to the park That is probably about 25 minute half hour walk to the park uh right. fenway i've always found to be very very efficient at getting people through the gate so i never had a problem mm-hmm. with that right um And that's the only ballpark I've ever been to, so that's the only comparison I have. Um, And, well, for baseball. Uh, And, and, I mean, and then you have, uh, you know, there's lines everywhere. It's, you know, you're talking, you know, even even after you get in, if you want anything to eat or drink at the game, on top of needing a small loan to do so, now you're talking about another 20 minutes in line. Everything takes time. And then after the game, when when you're you're gambling there, it's never as bad because you're excited. You're going to go see the game. But then when you're leaving, you're talking the same amount of time in return and usually even longer because people aren't just trickling in now. Everyone's trying to leave. So if you're on the tee or, or you're just in downtown traffic, you're looking at adding another 45 minutes to an hour on your trip home. So that that three to four hour game has now legitimately turned into a 10-, 12-hour day, which is fine if you're out doing something you enjoy and the quality of the game is really good. But when the quality continues to drop and it, it, it's, you know, players sit out after playing three games in a row, and I'm glad we brought – I brought, I, want to mention something about that later on too, but different different mm-hmm. topic. Yeah. Um, It's like it's not worth it anymore. I love the Red Sox. My wife loves the Red Sox. We both love Fenway Park. But now we live probably about three hours away from Boston, and it's going to take us a lot (laughs) to get in that car, drive three hours to a T-station, and then do all that. And then, you know, if you don't want to be ridiculously exhausted by the time it's all over with, you got to get a hotel room somewhere in the area. to Kind of spend the night either before or after there. And it's like, (laughs) you're looking at all that money. The money for food, because you gotta go out to dinner, you gotta get food there, you gotta you know, gas and all that stuff to ticket prices. If the game doesn't improve at all, it's gonna stop being worth it for a lot of people really quick. Really quick. And this is the Red Sox fan base. This is you know, as much as I don't like the Yankees, they have a very loyal and big following as well. You're you're talking, and I'm sure New York City is even more of a pain in the ass. Uh, you know, you're talking about Fan bases that want to be there for their team, no matter what, right. win or lose, that are there to support diehard. These other teams, you think if that Dodgers team stops being any, anything but fun to watch because they don't, they're not spending three hundred million dollars a year, think those fans are there? No, those fans yeah. are barely there before the playoff starts. What? Let, let's go. I mean, let's be real here. So changes had to be made. Something had to be done. And I think of the four rules, how many of those do you? True, like I have my opinion, but I want him to see where you stand first. How many of those do you feel are really necessary, and will actually improve the game?
1: I I think let's see, improve the game. If it if, to improve the game for the viewership, I think the pitch clock is. By far. The number one. Mm-hmm. If you didn't add the, the shift band, the pickoff limit and the base bigger bases. I don't think it would be no one no one's gonna care. No one I mean the play the players will care about the shift band. And that we're talking about the players that, you know, are very much uh pull happy. Uh the style their swing. They're more of a pull hitter. Well, you can now through data analytics you can predict where a pitch of hitters going to hit the ball and david ortiz started getting it it did start kind of started with david around the time where he started getting a higher profile and it started to trickle out to other teams because i think it was the rays that started this um way back in the early 2000s was now just put two players two infielders on the, the right side of the field and shift your outfield a little bit And now you've eliminated a a player going from a, let's say, I'll be generous, a 298 hitter to maybe a 270, a 260. Mm -hmm. That's a big, that's a huge difference for a player. And now you're having, um, and I think what you saw was um, the reaction to that was, why as a hitter am I just going to keep trying to hit the ball? And it's going to keep getting hit to a player because there's more players in this spot. Why don't I just launch this sucker and skip all the BS? And now we had the, you know, uh, who's the guy I'm trying to think of? Uh, Joey Gallo, mm-hmm. kind of the personification. Struck out 200 times. We're talking barely 200 hitter, but 30 home runs, 35 home runs. We don't care. You're hitting bombs. That's all that matters. Yeah.
0: Hit 190, but hit 40 home runs. You're good.
1: Right. And I think I think that's that's where the shift ban is is coming into play. But that's more of a the baseball player. Um I think the, the the thing you need to worry about if you're baseball is the fans. And w- your scenario described, I think, would help that because if you're going to a game and it's seven o'clock and start time seven oh seven, and you're talking about two and a half hours. Now you're out. Now you're out of Boston by ten. I think it's somewhat reasonable now. Um, I remember nights when we went and uh, we're coming home, and it's we're driving home. It's midnight. Mm-hmm. We're driving home. It's midnight. Mm-hmm. Not not not. Oh, we got to where we needed to go. It's we're driving home at midnight. Like
0: we get in the car at midnight to be to be heading. Yeah, right. and, and... To the
1: point where uh, I think I got pulled over.
2: Yeah,
0: he uh,
1: did. yeah because 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 they i was tapping the the white line a few times and they yanked me over oh were you guys drinking no we're just tired yeah i'm tired <laughs> he's tired we didn't have a drop no, of alcohol nothing. At, nothing all. at all
0: not before not yeah. after we just went that went to the game after work
1: right luckily you know the cops were nice and they 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 kind of what well, one they couldn't smell a, a goddamn thing on me because yeah, there was nothing there, to do anyways there, there was me. nothing to do no. so uh, I think they got the grasp of it uh, but that's kind of the scenario you and, and and think of that 30 time, 30 different teams. I'm sure that scenario has happened many 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 times. Um, I think that's the biggest one Chris is that pitch clock that's really just going to tell the picture you can't sit there for 60 seconds David Price um, and just rock back and forth and then i'll pitch yeah no you got to be move the game move the game action because what does basketball have what does baseball or uh football have what does hockey have they have consistent action Mm -hmm. even with when you think of football and you know they have those down times they're very much okay there's a clock though guys yeah 20 25 seconds yep you got or um, i'm sorry no 40 seconds uh, but you got to you got to get going get that play in and the defense the same thing hey if you're not ready there and they're ready to hike the ball they're going to hike it and you're you're out of position boo, you're screwed so so this is this is the biggest point that they needed to make they've needed to do it for years um i like some of the other options i don't know if they're going to have the impact that they i think the uh, the ba- the bigger basis i think that's an injury thing i'm not 100% sure that makes sense. Um the other two I could care less about, but the pitch clock. If that if we start opening day and I happen to turn on the TV and the Red Sox are on and I see a little pitch clock on the side, I'll be happy. Yeah. I'll say oh, good. Yeah. Good. You're making progress. You're moving forward. You're doing what you should have done years ago.
0: I uh <laughs> I remember the very first time I was ever really cognizant of uh, pitchers taking a long time in between pitches. I want to say it was a playoff game in, in late '90s, and it was the Red Sox and the A's. And Jerry Remy, you know, rest in peace, from Doug. Uh, uh, I remember was just not losing his mind. But for Remy, he was usually pretty even. I mean, he was an excitable guy, but he was pretty even keel most of the time. Yeah. And there's a pitcher for the A's named Jeff Tam and I had nothing against this guy. I don't know what's personal about the man. I, this isn't a personal attack, but his windup time was just absurd. We're talking. It had to be close to a minute in between pitches. So you get a guy, I mean, and, and that's no lie. And Grimmie was even like, my God, we're on pitch three. He's been on the mound for five minutes. What are we doing here? Like, come on. This is, I understand, you know, taking your time, but this is ridiculous. And then you start to notice it more because now you're paying attention to it. I never even crossed my mind before that, to tell you the truth. Never even crossed my mind. I just loved baseball, and I would love watching the Sox. And that was at the time of my life when I watched pretty much every game. Come home from work, click. Whether I work nights or days, you know, I'm messing the rerun on or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's the first time I really noticed it. And since then, it's just gone downhill to a point where two teams that aren't even in playoff contention, you know, with 10 games left of the season, I'll be having a five-hour game. And... It's like, you know, the people that go to these games, they want to see the game. They love baseball. They want to see the action. They want to be there. But you also don't want to get... It also can't get to the point where it's so long that they're getting bored because then they just leave and they don't want to come back. Right. And if it's not... A competitive playoff game. I mean, if you have a game and you got two pitchers just pitching their ass off and you're getting home runs left and right or you have late inning action and then a bullpen takes over and there's a bunch of hits and home runs and it's exciting from one aspect to the other the entire time and it's a five hour game which is very rare hey, no one's going to complain about that for half a second. No one's going to care. But a lot of these games are 13 pitching changes uh, well this guy's up and now we have to uh, now we have to have this left handed specialist in here We've gotten past the point where let me let me start over there. It, it it's a tipping point where it has to be one thing or another. Well, let's it looks like cleared up what'll be behind you there. <laughs> that's going that that's whitewash, it was behind you before. Um it's you can have all of the substitutions and all the things, and that's the game progressing and all that stuff. That's fine. But you have to have, like you said, you have to have something to keep it in check. A pitcher doesn't need to stand on a mound and warm up for 45, friggin', uh, you know, have 45 pitches on the mound to warm up. He was just warming up in the bullpen. If he's not ready to come in, that's on him, that's on the team. Give him three or four pitches, let him get a feel for it, and then start throwing. Right. are substitutions in every other sport on the planet. Well, every other majorly televised sport, baseball, football, soccer. Guess what? Like you said, they all have clocks. They all have time limits. And if they don't, they don't, Uh, do what they need to do within that time frame, they get penalized. In baseball, it's like, eh, whatever. No one's going to leave baseball. It's a national pastime. Everybody loves it. Yeah, well, you know, people are getting sick of it. You're getting these guys with exorbitant contracts out there taking up three quarters of our day to play a game where they'll go one for six with a home run. But, oh, I got a home run. Well, cool, you're batting 112. Exciting. There was 11 guys last year with 300 average or above that qualified based on a number of at-bats, 11.
1: 11. There was, what was there was a stat. It's
0: insane. Oh, God. I wish hitting, I could find it. Hitting for, Being a quality hitter has become so secondary in the game, it's absolutely absurd. Because guys are so worried about all these other aspects. And a pitch clock is one of the best ways to start. Get everything in a rhythm. Get it going. Because you're going to find out really quick who the high-quality players are. Because high-quality players is going to be mentally tough and be able to deal with not going through their entire superstitious, Nomar-style batting love ritual between every pitch, where it takes 25 seconds. Yeah, well, either do it in 10 seconds, or don't do it at all, and just play baseball. Just play the game. You're going to find out who's mentally tough enough to get past that superstition, because baseball players are the most superstitious people in sports. You're going to have to find out. I think that one makes a big difference. The The shift, I think, is stupid. Um, I think whatever you do, as far as the defensive setup within the game, if a hitter isn't good enough to get around it, then that's on them. However, I do see your point of saying, well, then you end up with guys like Joey Gallo who hit 40 home runs, but they hit one twenty, And that's not exciting either. So I understand them trying something different. Maybe just have everybody in the same defensive alignment. And that is what it is. And, uh, Maybe it makes the game better. Maybe you guys can hit better. Maybe you guys can become, you know, more focused on putting the ball where it needs to be instead of just, well, I can only hit into this shift, so I'm just gonna swing for the fences or strike out. Maybe that works. The bigger bases. Um again, I think that's something to make a game easier for a softer generation of players. Uh, if for some reason it is for health concerns, then I'm a little more accepting of that because if it's gonna make it saver for the players, then that's cool. I have nothing against that. Uh, what was the fourth one? What am I missing here? Pickoff limit. Pickoff limit. That's fine. I don't. Uh, again, that's to speed it up. You have some guys that will stand there and they throw it. You know, Six, 10, ten, eleven times. times. Ridiculous. You'll take five minutes to throw it. And uh, did, do you happen to know if the pitch clock resets after a pickoff? Is that why the limit? Do you know? I would assume it would have to. I say I think
1: I think uh, the pitch clock restarts uh, if there is a pickoff. Is a pick-off yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and do you know what the number is? There a, a set limit here for number of pickoffs? Uh,
1: I did not read up on that, okay. but um, I, I I could have sworn I I started hearing about that. Um, I think it's like three or four, maybe uh, inning. But uh, uh, don't quote me on that. I'd have to research a little bit more. But I know they're trying to reduce it because you, you've seen, you know, you, like you said, you see a guy just oh, back yeah. and forth. back. It's like, come on, well, throw it to, a throw to pitch. Throw it a pitch. If he's going to steal a bag, he's going to steal a bag. If he's going to get a lead. He's going to get a lead. If you have a very above average catcher, he can either keep that that hitter – Or that runner at bay, or he'll be able to pick him off. One or the other, okay?
0: And the rules are going to be the same for everybody, so it's not like it's going to favor one person or another. It might based on your skill set, but that is what it is. Like, yeah, you have to adjust and adapt to that. Um, And this, I, I think, actually, if they do stick with this, I think you're going to see offensive production increase because, say you, it's say the limit's three, and you do your three, and you think that guy's really going to steal, what are you throwing on your next pitch? You're going to be throwing a fastball in a, in a range where the catcher can get it and make a good quality throw. So that hitter, if if they – teams that are smart, and they are, will start structuring it so you have a speedy guy in front of a power hitter. That way, if that guy gets on and they do their three attempts, that dude knows he's getting a fastball coming right down the pipe. And – or you're just going to start seeing an increase in steals also because guys are going to be like, well, I'm not throwing this guy. I'm not throwing – I'm not throwing Mike Trout a 2 0 fastball because I just tried to pick this guy off in front of him. So he's gonna get a curveball. And if the guy steals, the guy steals it is what it is. Right. But I'm okay with that one. Speeds the game. I'm okay with any of it. I'm okay with it all because it's the same for everybody and it's fine. I, I I I I can't complain or not trying to make changes and then say, oh well, it's just to make things easier for the players. This isn't you know, I think bigger bases, whatever. Um pitch clock is a hundred. I agree with you a hundred percent. That's needed. What, you, what were the times that you told me before we started recording? Yep. I got the times for let me let me look something up real quick before you do. Uh mm-hmm. let's see here. Uh average length This is a weird thing to Google. I hope that I hope I can type this quick. Of uh MLB game. Uh, okay. Uh during twenty twenty three season the average nine inning game was three hours and three minutes, which in and of itself is isn't all that bad above average. It's the fact that it's 162 games and there's 30 teams, and to be an average of 303 means at least half of those are significantly higher than three hours and three minutes. So they did, uh, they did this experiment. I guess it's still an experiment at this point. Um, uh, for two games so far with the pitch clock during spring training, which you pointed out, Mm -hmm. uh, you made that point. I'll let you do that after you read off the the times. What were the times for the two games after last year was a three-hour and three-minute average?
1: The Padres and Mariners yesterday were two hours and 29 minutes. The Rangers and the Royals were two hours and 33 minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just around two-and-a-half-hour average. You're talking about a 33-minute, at minimum, 33-minute reduction in time. That's a lot of nonsense that was not needed. That's a lot of fluff that can get cut out. Mm-hmm. You know, I never understood cutting down the times of of a batter's walk-up music when they're walking from the dugout to the batter's box. Let them, let them have their walk-up song, but they limited that. But they had a refusal until apparently this year to put in a pitch clock, which made absolutely no sense to me. You're 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 doing the wrong things. Like, you know, it's, it's another Titanic reference is essentially rearranging the deck chairs as it's going down. It's like, it doesn't effing matter. Like it, it's sinking. It's sinking. Do something about that or get off the ship. Um, But, it, it, yeah, they're, they're, you know, it, it could improve the game, hopefully.
1: Mm-hmm. And it could, I mean, I could feasibly see it where there's pitchers that are very quick that who would get this game down to two hours. Some, yeah. Mark, Bur- Mark Burley used to be, hey, give me the ball, I'm going to yep. throw a better back. And he was like two hours and 10, two hours and 15. It was like, that is, that is quick and efficient. Uh-huh. I don't know if we'll get there, but I do like the idea that this is going to limit all the extra stuff and... As they become as the pitchers and hitter become more used to the idea of this pitch clock and they start to see the the potential of the attraction of the fans coming back. Because honestly, if they don't care, they kind of should because you can I know I said this years ago. I said eventually the the contracts are gonna go down because where's the money gonna come from? Mm -hmm. Um, it hasn't happened yet. We've seen the contracts are still enormous. But if if they continued on their trend of this game concre- increasingly getting longer and longer, the inaction. Uh, in the article I read, uh, it pointed out that they limited the um, opportunity to bring in a, a position player to pitch um, to where you had to be down by eight or ten runs in, later in the game. You can't just bring them in to bring them in to save an arm. So I think th- doing stuff like that, it, it it opens the door to other things. And and if you keep allowing, as you pointed out, you know, the players did have their music cut down, but if they allowed that to keep happening and they allowed the, you know, someone like no Garcia prior to sit there for 10 seconds to, to screw around with his gloves and 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 kick his cleats, as as funny as it was, like
0: we both love Nomar. Like we're not a night on Nomar, but it's just it took forever.
1: It, it compounded and compounded and compounded, and eventually, it just becomes the point where you just you only have so much time in the day. Yep. Your time is, is each person's time is valuable, and you're not going to sit there and waste three hours and thirty minutes. No. I know you said three hours and three on an average. Okay, but we know the trends are going higher and we're going higher and higher. So, to to think it couldn't get to three hours and thirty minutes average, it's not out out of the realm of possibility. These two first games kind of show what the game could be, and these are spring training games. So, yeah, a lot more moving hit, around. Yeah, the, the hitting might not be as crisp as it could be the pitching won't be as crisp as it could be. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of variables where it could change to two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 10. Like if it got there, now you're going to start having people come back Mm -hmm. because even if you're at home, Chris, and you're watching the game starts at seven o'clock, everyone's got so much going on. It's like, you can't, you can't spend till 1030.
0: Eleven o'clock watching a baseball game. Oh, and that's on the But well, Sunday night baseball starts at eight <laughs> starts at eight o'clock here on the East Coast. But if you're talking a Red Sox Yankee game, I remember some mornings, some of them long games, uh, and and I, I worked night, so it wasn't really a big deal for me because I'm up at that I was up at that time at that point anyways. But if you're working Monday morning and you want to watch a Sox Yankees game and it starts at eight, and now you're talking four-and-a-half, five-hour game, usually minimum for those two teams. It was ridiculous, way over the top, unnecessary. Four to five hours, and that was a quick right. game for them? You're now talking midnight, 1 a.m.? If you're getting up in the morning, even if you don't start working until, like, 8 or 9, you're still looking at getting up around 7, 7.30, if that, and if you got kids sooner. I mean, so many things. Just chase away the common fan, which I know it's fun to have all these big-ticket celebrities at these games, but guess what? Over the course of a year or five years or a decade, they're not the ones putting the money in it or paying these exorbitant salaries. It's your everyday person going and spending their hard-earned money. Like you and I, when we go, we're not going sitting in luxury boxes. We get nice seats, but we're not breaking the bank for them. We find good deals when we can go. And we get, you know, a hot dog and a soda or something. And maybe if we have, you know, maybe a jersey, if we we want a New Jersey or something like that hundred and something bucks and that's fine because they're high quality but that's where the money comes from it doesn't come from Matt Damon getting comped to sit in the Red Sox owner's box
2: <laughs>
0: like he's not paying for any of that no he's not paying and that's fine if I was in his position I'd take it for free too I'm not knocking the guy for it but he's not those guys aren't putting any money in like oh yeah cool hey well, yeah you're famous we know you you want to come by and hang out and watch the game sure okay cool yeah they're not paying for anything. They're not paying for their beer. They're not paying for their drinks. They're not paying for any of that crap. It's your everyday fan, your everyday person, like the two folks you know talking on this what? podcast right now, and like the majority of you listening probably that are paying all this stuff. And if they start chasing us away, which they have done with spe- in spectacular fashion the last decade or so, uh, that's problematic, and they're starting to see it revenue wise. It's not really showing through on the surface yet because contracts are still big and TV contracts are still big, but mark my words, the changes don't work. They don't stick. They don't have the desired effect. They don't keep them because players complain because players are soft. Players are soft. I know every generation can say, oh, the past generations would do better. Toughness and game intelligence in baseball, I think more than any other sport to me, or at least endurance, is is the most obvious, because you used to have got, pitchers would go out there and they would pitch both complete games of a doubleheader, and they were done with their career and they'd have three three hundred and fifty wins, three thousand strikeouts, and they'd play like twelve years. Now, in the, in the era of the openers, thanks Tampa Bay, hmm. Uh, you know it's it's a matter of. Oh, this guy got two innings in, and then he had the rest beat, and he can't pitch for five more days because our metrics say that if he throws more than 37 pitches with is above 17 degrees, then he's more likely to need Tommy John surgery in seven years. If you can't play, you can't play. If you're injury-prone, you're injury-prone. If you got it, you got it. If you don't, you don't. I love baseball. I suck at it. I've said that before. I was never any good at it, ever, no matter what kind of shape I was in. My body type does not present me to be athletic in the way that it is uh, (laughs) suited for baseball. and Yeah, like it is what it is. If if you have to make the rules make sense for a high-quality game, and if you can't, then you got the wrong people playing that game. Just
1: a fun fact, Chris, uh, the Red Sox are playing right now. They're up 3-0 on the Braves. They started at 105. They are in the bottom of the
0: third. Okay, all right. Talking almost three complete innings in forty five minutes—that's that's that's fine. Yeah, I, you know what, dude? Honestly, I'm fine with three hours. I'm not going to tell baseball that. Don't listen, because then they'll do a bunch of other stupid stuff. But I think a pitch clock should be one of the first places they went, and it seems like it's been the last place they've gone. I th- I absolutely despise, absolutely despise the runner on second to start over to, or start extra innings. That is the yeah. stupidest, most kiddie shit playground stuff. And these are professionals making $30 million a year. And not all of them, but the ones complaining are uh your, your third string second baseman is happy to be there and be playing. Like he's not he's not complaining that what you know mm-hmm. about these things. Um, you know, if you had a pitch clock in a game that was reasonably paced then you wouldn't have to do this stuff where you put a runner on second to start extra innings. Like That's absolutely ridiculous. That's absurd. Uh, If you're going to do that, let's just go full middle school here, and let's say if you have a shutout after seven innings, you don't even play the last two. You just win automatically. If you get it by more than 10 and the opponent can't match it in the bottom of their inning, if if, if you're the home team, then you just win on mercy rules. We could have a two-inning game. Let's just do all that. If we're going to put a runner to start second, uh, on second to start extra innings. That's just, that brings it to playground for me. And I know it's a game, but, like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't like it. I hate that role. I absolutely hate that role. I'm fine with the pitch clock. Pitch clock is needed. Clock in every other sport. We need it in baseball. I hope this is something they stick with. Hope they don't look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, it worked well. We'll see about it in five years. You know? Um, hell, they changed the DH role before they did this. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the DH. It was different American League, National League. Some people do, some people don't. Uh, I, for one, am, I'm fine with it changing. But I never really thought that was the problem with the game. And some pitchers like to hit. Some people like to go to the National League. Um, so apparently now that's just a rule. Now it's just DH in both leagues. I think that's. The, I don't know if it's permanent or not, but I know they tried it for a few years at least. No, it's permanent. Oh, uh, permanent. Okay. Well, there we go. That's yeah, permanent. And uh, and that's fine. Like I'm not going to be an old fuddy duddy, you know, looking at you know the old school ways and think, well, oh, I can't change ever. It is what it is, and you know, that that's an improvement they want to make. That's fine. It's going to make it more exciting because you're not going to have a team trying to rally, and all of a sudden you have the you know, the pitcher spot come up, and either you take your pitcher out and you put one of your 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 your, your bats from the bench in there, which unless you let a, a starter sit out that game, usually isn't the most appealing person in the world to have up at that moment. Um, so it's going to keep the momentum of the game going better. Uh, so, whatever can make this game watchable again, I'm right. all for trying it at this point. Because I was at the point when Bogarts wasn't able to re-sign with the Sox. They redeemed themselves with Devers, but we didn't even think that was going to happen. We thought this was going to be just a complete, complete teardown of this team that we would watched and loved and watched all these guys progress. Um, I was at a point, honestly, where... I couldn't make any more excuses for him. After the twenty twenty debacle, I tried. The twenty twenty one we had, uh, you know, we had the season uh, didn't start out. Was it last year? Didn't start on time, or was it two years uh, ago because two, of the, the, years the, ago. The, con- the contract or the uh, collective bargaining agreement or something? I think it was.
1: Uh, I think it was last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're, and this is again. This is after not starting, uh, and I understand the safety concerns when we, when COVID first hit and all that stuff in twenty twenty, not knowing, but. Um, but they're not going to tell me that was about health. That was all about who could make the most money. So don't come out with it being about health now. That wasn't the case. It was about right. money. And then you, once again, two seasons later, or the following season, you don't start on time again because of money. Um, you know, Some of these guys got to start getting their ego chopped down just a little bit. And you can't do all this flashy, fancy stuff. Just play the freaking game. And this is going to help that happen. So I think some of them wouldn't be where I would go. But uh, I criticize baseball for staying the same. I can't criticize them for trying to change. So I, I applaud the willingness to give it a chance. And hopefully it improves the game. That's what I want. That's all I want. I want a watchable game I can enjoy. And it isn't going to take up my entire day. I'm not going to have to sit there for four hours watching a 3-2 ball game with backups in. Yep.
1: Yep. Yep. I agree with you on that, Chris. I, I just want... I want two and a half. I'd like I like two and a half under two and a half hours and 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 some innovations, some difference. Um, I'm intrigued by it. and here's the thing that baseball needs to understand. you You're putting all these things in at once and and that can cause a lot because you're not doing it as we've said many times in the past. You're not doing this and then this and then this and then this over a span of like five to six years, you're, oh, we're going to do this all at once because now we're finally listening to the fan base. Now we're finally listening to some of the players concerns. So now you, you can't, you can't just assume all this is going to work. You have to realize that, um, well, part of the reason why we increased the bases was injury. The other part was to maybe entice more stealing, because if you think about it, Chris, If you increase the base two inches around on each side, you've now decreased the distance between first and second, second and third, third and home. So um, is that a good benefit? Was that a bad benefit? Like you do have to analyze at the end of the season, all right, what was the the benefit of this change and did we see it? Did we not see it? Did it go the other way? All right, do we have to backtrack, the band shift? Do we have to – Rethink this. Was it too much? Was it not enough? Uh, the only thing I think they should stand on is a- and work through the any issues is the pitch clock because that is really something that's going to mm-hmm. reinvigorate the fan base to really want to watch 100 and pay attention to the game because it's just I think that's pivotal. Um, but when you look at uh, I think a perfect example we 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 always bring up is when they had the uh, pass interference for the PI and that was reactionary because of one play and they gave it one season
0: and then they're like, Oh, 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 the review for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah Yes. I got you, yeah. And then it's
1: like, yeah, this, this isn't working. This is not working. Scrap it. We'll review it when we get people away from the, the uh, emotions of that one play. I'm talking about the, what was it the saints and the um oh god uh saints and the rams where it was a clear pi yeah, and it yeah. wasn't called oh yeah um, god, which would have had the paint would have would have had the saints in the super bowl against
0: um stevie wonder would have thrown that flag from 100 yards away yeah that was oh so, atrocious
1: uh, correct correct but i think that's what they have to look at when they're when baseball reviews all these rule changes mm-hmm. and i'm sure there's a few that we haven't talked about and it'll be interesting to see what they do but be fluid with it be understanding communicate with not just the the players the coaches but also get the feedback from the fan base saying hey did you like this did you notice this mm-hmm. that's a key too did, did you even notice this this rule change happened um and and maybe get some more insight on on what you can do to improve the game because you have these these Interesting um, players that are in the game right now and you really need to tap into their profiles online and really grow that game. And that's how you're going to grow it. But you can't grow the game, Chris, if the pl- the the, the, the f- young fan tries to watch the game and then they're watching is it, like, this is going on forever. I'm never watching this crap again.
0: Mm hmm.
1: That's just the re- that's just the reality.
0: Totally. Yeah, if you have a 5-year-old who's who's in little league or or T-ball or whatever uh softball, whatever, whatever. And they sit down with you, "Oh, they're going to sit down with mom or dad uh, to watch a game." Um okay. Within you think they'll see three pitches in 5 minutes, they're going to be interested, they're going to keep watching, like you said. Okay. No. So there's an entire generation of fans that's just not going to give a damn. Um and and you know, I I I said it before. Baseball is my first sports love. You remember? <laughs> it used to be in seventh, <laughs> sixth, seventh year. Oh, well, you showed up in seventh grade, but seventh, eighth yeah. grade. Uh man, I, I, all the reports I did, the teacher would have to ask me to do something besides baseball because I was just right. I was a sponge for baseball history. I couldn't get enough of it. I loved it, and I still do. Uh, but the game has become uninteresting. The players are, you know, there's some great players and some really good people, but you know, they're all spoiled. They all play two thirds of the season, because they have to make sure they stay, um, you know, refreshed. They can't be, they don't. You God forbid you turn like Hallerkin Junior and be an absolute legend who played every day. Um, you wouldn't want that now, would you? No, no. To be a fantastic, respected, and beloved player who actually played every day and gave the fans their money worth. And look, I understand. Look, if a guy plays 155 games a year and he takes a couple off here and there for four, four – Injury prevention or whatever, I'm cool with that. I get that. If it happens to one of the games I go to, it sucks for me. It is what it is. But we're getting to a point now where it's like, well, we have six guy six six man rotations, and we have pitchers can't go more than three innings because they're going to be worn out, and guy can't play more than three games a week, and we got we got to rest him that other day. It's like I I. I, uh, I this isn't baseball. This is basketball. I have no idea if you like this guy or anything about this guy, but do you see anything on Anthony Edwards' comments on, like, load management? I absolutely love what he said. I could not love that more, and I don't know anything about Anthony Edwards, and I'm instantly a fan of his. Um, he's a 100 he's, – he's at as high a percentage as you want to say he's correct and then some. Whereas – and this is what chased me away from the NBA, on top of the fact of, you know, the college kids not being in for three years anymore and you don't really develop – any kind of natural liking or disliking for any particular player, because you don't really see them play until they get to the NBA. Um, it's it's it, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said that the load management is crazy and players are soft. And um, I got, I got the direct quote here somewhere. I have, I have um, got there, Chris, Okay, yeah. I don't I don't wanna, I don't want to misquote him because what he said was fantastic.
1: No, I, can I can I actually curtail this with another comment from a actual, do. yeah, a great <clears throat> quote from 2019 by Kobe Bryant.
0: Yes, you've got, yes, you've got a lot
1: of people play, paying their hard-earned money to watch you perform. It's your job to be in shape. It's your job to perform at a level every single night as a competitor. I am not ducking any swore. Um, yeah. Um, and that's in regards to load management. Now that's Kobe Bryant, 2019. This is Anthony Edwards, who is a first-round pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I want to say at least two years ago, maybe three. I'm was he first sure. overall? Or just, I thought he was first overall. No, I, don't I,
0: I don't. I don't know that for sure. 100. percent I'm gonna double-check what you're talking. But go ahead.
1: But his quote is: "All these guys sitting resting, just play, man. I don't. I don't like all this sitting, missing games and stuff. These people might have." not might have enough money to come to the one game. And that might be the game they come to and you're sitting out. Mm-hmm. Like that's. And he says, and there's another quote, just play, man. If you're 70, 80%, you got to play.
0: And, and again, to, to that point, no one's talking about an injured player. No, no one's saying somebody who has a known legitimate injury should be playing. You have to take care of that's a whole different story. But these guys out there like, Oh, I played the last three games. I'm just gonna sit back and 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 you know just relax in, in in my in my nice chair on the sideline here, and these people paid to see me, and I'm not here now. If you pay to see somebody again injured, not your fault. Could not agree with this more. Um, I I just checked. He was the first overall pick in 2020. Okay. Um, so th- so yeah. yeah, to have a guy of that caliber, and again, I'm not too familiar with him. I've never, never actually watched him play. I gather he's a pretty talented player. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. To have that is really good. Is really good because you're going to have some of these young guys coming in now saying, well, this doesn't have to be the norm. You can be an outstanding player and still just play every game. Jordan said it 20 years ago. We're going to get to a point where there's load management. Um, and he was right. You know, imagine that. Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Uh, maybe. Those guys knew what they were talking about, perhaps. And and,
1: and <laughs> for anyone who doesn't, for anyone who doesn't know, whether it's true or it's just rumor, Michael Jordan went into the Garden in the nineties with the flu and put down a double nickel.
0: Yeah,
1: like that's 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 something. Now I don't know if it's true or not, but. Um, you throw down 55 points in a game and you have the flu, you're not feeling 100. percent That's something, and that's well, that's that's Jordan, but, um, I, I, yeah, even like, and I don't, I I like Giannis, I I could have sworn I saw him make a similar comment, but, I'm looking at his game played and and, it's an 82 game season, Chris. It, I don't, I would agree with you. Like four or like four games would be the max I would let a player sit out just to sit out because you get nights off during the season.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You get like a 10 day vacation in the middle of the season if you're not in the All Star game. But he played 67 games last year. He played 61 the year before. He played 63 the year before that. There could be injuries there that I'm not, I'm not sure about, but. I think Anthony Edwards' overall point and Kobe's overall point, And I'm sure MJ would speak to this as well because MJ is a hell of a competitor. It's like, if you're healthy enough to play, play. That's that's it. That's it. Because yep. there's a kid out there that might go to the game or uh, a family of six or, you know, this this kid who's never going to have another opportunity to go to a game except for that one and it might impact his life to go in a certain trajectory because of you because of what you did what you performed on on the court and all he's going to see is oh oh he's he's got a suit on tonight so he's not playing oh is the not, the second best player also has a suit so he's not playing uh-huh. right? like and i I want to call you know i want to call off for what it is you know Celtics a few what was it, about two, three games before the All-Star break, they sat quite a few players. Now, some of them weren't healthy, but they went into Detroit. Detroit? I think it was Detroit. And they had players who played upwards of 40 minutes that barely cracked 20 minutes a game, and it's because they sat a couple players, and some of them were injured, but some of them just sat because of, quote, load management. I I don't like it.
0: I'm fine with it at the end of a year. If you've already <laughs> locked up a play... I mean, fans have to understand this to an extent. It, it happens in the NFL. If you've locked up a playoff spot and you're trying to conserve that player because there's no longer a reason to play that year... I'm not talking if you just played poorly and your team sucks and you're in the last 10 or 12 games. Unless there's an injury, get your ass on the court and play. You're still getting paid. Um, But if you're... I don't know. I I, guess, I honestly haven't even looked at the NBA standings. I guess the Celtics are doing pretty good this year.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, they're number one.
0: Okay, so yeah, see, that that shows how much I paid attention. Um, so say they lock up the one seed and there's five or six games left and they decide, well, we're just going to have our backups play and we're going to give our starters a rest. Okay, I can understand that. There's a reason for that, at least. But this whole, you know, how, how, 72 games in a season? 82. 82, Okay. You're going to pay a guy, top dollar, to play 50 games a year for you? And that's fine. That's what you want to do. That's fine. But you can't expect happy fans. Like, he's 100% right. It was just what I talked about with baseball. Like, yeah, you have celebrities and musicians, and everybody loves all the the pomp and circumstance that goes along with the NBA game. An NBA game uh, with people on court side is the most interactive with the fans, I think, of any sport. Mm-hmm. Because in baseball, you can sit in the dugout and you can sit in a way where you really can't be seen. In the NFL, you're on the bench. Yeah, you can hear things, but whatever, you can also just go away. Um, hockey, I, I don't know, whatever, I don't know.
1: There's Plexiglas. Yeah, Plexiglas, yeah, okay. Um,
0: yeah. Basketball, they're right there. There's nothing. Court side. I mean, there's nothing stopping it. So, I mean, it's like, and we're at the point now where, and I, I understand in the form of if you're threatening somebody if it's some kind of racial homophobic slur, that can't be allowed. But if you're just like talking trash to a player, now they can have you rejected because they're too soft to take somebody yep. talking trash to them. Mm-hmm. It's only a matter of time. This game, basketball was by far overtaking baseball as far as popularity and, I mean, revenue. It had to be getting up there. And no one's going to touch the NFL. But, I mean, they've they have this. And everything they're doing, It's almost designed to have them take two steps back. So now you can't go to a game and pay your harder money and talk smack. Again, I understand when something's inappropriate, and I'm not an overly sensitive person, but let's face it, um, the majority of NBA players are black, and there could be a lot of stuff said that could be offensive. And if you're going along those lines, then you're an idiot and you need to be thrown out. I'm fine with that. But if you're just talking smack and like for gamesmanship and you're not making it personal or nothing, do you get thrown out for that? I would never even consider going back in my lifetime. Are you serious? Now, I'm usually quiet anyways. I kind of cheer, whatever. I don't really talk smack when at the games, whatever. I just kind of enjoy myself and watch it. Some people do. That's how they have fun. Um, but it's not helping the image at all of NBA players being soft. No, and uh, I applaud Anthony Edwards, uh, and, and will cheer for him every chance I can, um, because I think more players need his mindset, and if they did, it'd be a far more enjoyable league to watch. All I right. couldn't agree with you more, Chris. I think you're right on, and and same for all sports. Same for all sports. Yeah, not not just yeah. bad. We just basketball is just a topic. Not you know, yeah. not not you're... trying to pigeonhole you know pigeonhole them or make you know single them out, but. And, and what what
1: it started with, Chris, to be honest, it started with teams like the Spurs and the Lakers that needed to give their players time off because they were, you know, advancing in age. We're talking like when Tony Parker and, and uh, Tim Duncan were, you know, starting to get up there in age, and it's like, yeah, they can't do it every night. Right. They can do it every other night. They can't do it, you know back-to-backs they can't do it three out of four four out of six and that's when it started and the crazy part about it chris is that like you said 82 games and you get paid for you play 50 55 as long as you the the team is pulling you out of it or you're injured i mean you're getting your you're getting that game check so, if you're not voluntarily pulling out of the game. You're going to get your game check regardless. So, not only are they not there, or they're there but they're not suited up. They're still getting paid for it. you know, some of them it's yeah, that's no skin off my, my 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 back, you know. But it it is what it is. And until you have players like Anthony Edwards start to really Maybe he can shift that change mm-hmm. in a positive direction where, hey, if you're healthy enough, to play, play. If you're not healthy enough, then, you know, you should be showing up on injury report. Hey, I have this, I have that. But load management, which I know the NBA, the the NBA front office absolutely hates because we both pointed out the reasoning behind it. You're going to a game one time a year. You show up. The three best players on the on the team are yeah. sitting on the bench in their suits because, uh oh, this night they decided, yeah. And you're gonna do it, and Chris, you're gonna do it when you do load management. You're gonna do it at home because the tendencies is that your role players will play better at home mm-hmm. than opposed to on the road. So.
0: The only other thing I could think of that would make this, you know, a little bit more tolerable if you're a fan, and the leagues will never do this because it's gonna take money out of their pocket, is if a player you, you say you have to announce it forty eight hours ahead of time, so and so is not injured, but they're gonna be sitting out this game. And then give the fans the option to reach out to the arena and have their tickets refunded. If you're in Cleveland In the mid 2000s, you're going to see LeBron James. That's it. There's nobody else on that team you're going to pay attention to. If you go to a game, and I have no idea LeBron's habits now. I know he's a little bit older now. He probably hasn't played as much, but he had to have played a lot because he carried some of those teams when he was younger. Um, If you're going to see him and you show up and it's it's the middle of a playoff run and he's supposed to, you know, should be playing and he's not, well, Then you're just watching a a 20-win team with no superstar on it because he couldn't play four games in a row. And I don't know if that ever happened. I'm just using him as an example. Whereas if they were to say, okay, well, LeBron's going to have next Tuesday off. So if you're a fan and want to come to the game, that's great. But you can reach out to the arena and say, look, I'm bringing my kid here. He loves LeBron James. I saved up for th- two months to bring him to this game. All right. And now his favorite player is not going to be playing. Then put them back and let the arena resell them for face value. They're gonna take a little bit of a bath on ticket prices, but it's fine. They keep raising them on us anyways, whether they're a winning team or a losing team. Uh so <laughs> like there, there's there's gotta be some kind of compromise there. It, it, it's getting unfair. I mean, it's the same with baseball. Like you've, you know, same with any sport. If it's not injury related. It's going to happen. Obviously, guys hurt in practice that afternoon or or earlier, the day before, and you're not sure game time. Things like that happen. That's fine. you got to do something. And it's it's more of a good faith thing with fans. Like, hey, yeah, we know you came to watch this, and we couldn't provide this for you. So, you know, if you would choose to go to a different game, if there's tickets available, great. And, you know, you do the best you can with that. It'll never happen because it would take too much effort on the league's parts, and they like collecting money more than they like giving fans a good deal um and that sounds bitter but that's just the way it is we're just little cash batteries to them <laughs> and uh yeah but um I want to bring up uh we're gonna be get into football but I wanted to bring up uh, another one uh a point and I didn't even think of until this uh I everyone a lot of talk about Odell Beckham jr coming back it was probably about, what week 12 week 13. The Cowboys yeah. were going to sign him, and he was going to propel him into the playoffs, and uh, or 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 the Bears were going to get him, and that was going to help Justin Field. I don't know. Any team was going to get him, and he was going to help propel him, and, and Odell's a very talented player, so he very well could have, um, if healthy. Everyone was under the impression he was still injured. Apparently, at that point, he was telling teams, sign me, but I'm only going to play in the playoffs. <laughs> That's well. one of the reason the Cowboys didn't sign him, I guess, was they talked to him. I apparently, and he said, I'm good sitting out the regular season. I want to be in for the playoff run. And team, and his thing was the team's competitive now without me. Imagine what they'll do in the playoffs with me, which is just a poor decision anyways, because number one, sitting on a sideline or being a talented player does not build chemistry. You have to have chemistry. You have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's not going to just develop in three days of practice. Uh it's two, it's sending a bad message to the rest of your team. Hey, you work your ass off to get here, and then this guy's gonna come in. He's more important than you. We're gonna let him just play in the playoffs and sit there healthy and pay him. You get out there and work your ass to get him to the play off to get to him to the playoffs. That's not gonna fly.
1: Plus, they'll want a uh, prorated prorated salary. They will yep. want a full share of yep. the playoff winnings. Yep. they will get a ring if if you know if they were to win.
0: But that, that's just my point on the load management thing. He wanted his own load management, and it's like, well, if you can't play the game, don't play the game. Right. You're going to probably make a prorated $20 million contract to come in for one year because the team's just desperate to have a talented receiver. And it's like, now he's talking to teams too. And, you know, if you know that's his mentality and he doesn't come in with any kind of different attitude and it's not, it's not written out in the contract, who knows what kind of headache you're going to get with this guy when it comes time to suit up. Week five, and he's like, oh, my my knee's just a little bit sore. I can't today. I need a couple games off. Well, here we go. Now you got him locked up to an expensive contract because he wanted a multi-year deal on top of that. He wanted a multi-year deal being paid like he was playing every game. Yeah. And it's like, dude, nobody can deny his talent. And I, I do love his, his – I thought I loved his passion on the field, but if you're going to tell people I'm only playing in the playoffs, you get me there and then I'll help you. Right. Uh, that, 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 that takes a big hit as far as your, your will t- to me incredibility credibility wise to get out there and actually play. Um, but I just wanted to, we had a couple of examples of different sports. I wanted to bring it up for, uh, the NFL because I, I heard that and I couldn't believe it. Like w- one minute and it literally was like overnight one minute. He's like the pretty girl at the dance who who walked in the door alone. And the next minute it's like, he has the plague and everybody's staying away from him, he's sitting in a corner by himself. And it's it's directly to do with that, because teams know the kind of uh, the kind of uh, damage that would do to team chemistry. I mean, the Broncos don't seem to understand team chemistry, so they probably allow it. But aside from them, um, it'd be problematic. And I'm glad no team fell for that. Um, they they talked about it a while, a couple years back. Well, more than a couple years now, God, twenty years or so now. With uh, Pedro Martinez in the late 90s, he got injured towards the end of the season a couple times and and was able to come back around the start of the playoffs. And there was a bunch of people who were like, hey, why not just get to the playoffs and then let Pedro pitch then? And it's like, he's a 22 game winner. You don't make it to the playoffs without Pedro Martinez. Right. And that's not how the game is played. I have no interest in watching a game that allows stars to sit out and then wants the playoffs start all of a sudden, if that's the case, just do a draft lottery for playoff spots and then just play the playoffs and don't bother with the regular season anymore. If that's what you're gonna do. Because really? it gets old. All right. Speaking of the Denver Broncos, uh, I was putting a transition there, but I don't wanna I didn't want to cut you off if you had more to more to say on the matter. No. Um more more alleged, alleged, because we don't know if it's true or not. Uh Russell Wilson drama. Uh, Well, the drama's real. We don't know if what happened is true. Um, It came out. I forgot where I saw it. um, But it was earlier in the week that apparently last season, before he was traded, Russell Wilson requested Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider. um, And those two are about as synonymous with uh, Seattle Seahawks as the city of Seattle is with rain. Um, He wanted them both fired. And uh, good luck with that. Uh, he denies it, says he loves them both, has respect for them both. Um, this just adds to tumultuous offseason and great season in general for for Russell Wilson and that entire team. He came in, signed a massive extension The Broncos, can't get out of for several years, played extremely poorly. It came out he had his own suite on the second floor of Broncos headquarters or his mm-hmm. own uh, office, which is very weird and very – Uh, I was listening to Rich Eisen a couple days ago, and he said that that's odd because second floor is usually where the administrative offices are, and that's where players normally go to to get called to when they're going to get cut. (laughs) And now you have the quarterback in his first year negotiating into the deal that he has that kind of special treatment. It's a bad message to send. Uh, It's very odd. And it's, it, it adds to the enigma that is Russell Wilson. Is he this nice guy he portrays himself to be? Is he something more? I don't know. Um, I've said for a long time, a couple years now at least, that while he's a very good quarterback, he is not on the elite level. Um, let Russ cook. That's great as long as it's week one through five and then you're kind of <laughs> on your own. Yes. Um, he was the first quarter, se- <laughs> the MVP of the first quarter of the season of about five years in a row, and then everybody who said, oh, this is finally his year, watch week six, and were like, oh, yeah, that's why he hasn't won one yet, because he just drops off for weeks at a time and is mm-hmm. average at best, and then he'll come back and have a great game. And he doesn't seem very self-aware when he plays poorly. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. You have time for the cough button there um an interesting another interesting fact is apparently Russell Wilson very much wanted to play for uh the current Broncos coach so uh when he was in Seattle um he can deny it all he wants but it's not gonna look good where you know um they wanted to bring in somebody out. That he wanted to bring in somebody else, supposedly, and get rid of Carolyn Schneider. Um, it's it's. I mean, he has has his wish now. Right. But I mean, was he really thinking that a couple years ago? People just kind of backfilling that story because it's pile on rust time. I don't know the truth. This guy could be a great guy. This could all be nonsense, or he could be an a hole who's pretending to be decent. I don't know the man. Who knows? Um, but either way, now he has Sean Payton. He has a guy he wanted to coach him. And uh, there's more drama and uh, ugliness, apparently, around the split in Seattle. And just more reason for the Broncos to just have to come out with with, with a good start and just put all this nonsense behind him because winning cures a lot. A lot. We know that firsthand in sports. You can have a bad situation and you start winning and all of a sudden a lot of problems go away. And, um... They're going to have to have that. Because if they come out to a slow start, they come out 1-3, and 1-4 and four, with three pl- first-round picks plus multiple second-round picks and all that money spent for these two to have Peyton and Russell, Russell Wilson heading that team. Um... It's gonna be really ugly there, because then you're gonna to have to talk about once Wilson's gone, you're gonna to have to do a complete rebuild from the ground up again, and it's fan base is not gonna like that to put it mildly. And
1: I like how you put that, Chris. Is you know if they needed if they needed to move on, it would be Wilson. It wouldn't be Sean Payton. Yeah, because the the ink on his contract is still wet, so I think Russell has a little proving to do. He needs to perform better. Uh, with Sean Payton coming out and saying that you know whatever whatever went on before me, I have no idea what it's about. All I know is Bronco personnel are gonna be the only personnel in the the facility so whatever this this nonsense about a team that russell wilson has it seems like it's not going to transpire with sean payton so we'll have to see if he holds up to that because you can have those situations where a franchise quarterback who's proven who's got a, a a super bowl victory might try to push what limits he has, you know, push the limits of what he can get out of the team. Um, but man, I, the reality is, as you just said, it they're they're dry on first round picks, they're heavily invested in both these guys. Uh huh. Even one of them getting shipped out of town, one way or another, it, it's your franchise is still set back. We're talking, I think, two maybe three years before they have a first-round pick. Uh-huh. And counting this draft, we're talking like two or three years. So to think you're going to get a franchise quarterback in the draft without any semblance of a first or second-round pick is is minute in itself, and it's possible, but it's not likely. And excuse me but it's just a matter of can sean payton and and russ wilson get on the same page and what direction is the offense going to go because i i have no idea this this team seems doomed from the start just because of where they where they ended the season Uh, sean payton's the only ray of light and there's a little factor of the Super Bowl champions are in your division, <laughs> which makes it more problematic, yeah, so, slightly. The only upside is is that the Raiders are just as bad right now, and the chargers you don't know what chargers you're gonna get it's they're still they still haven't made that step, so the upside is is they have opportunity. To maybe make a wild card spot, maybe, but the Chiefs aren't going anywhere unless something happens to Mahomes or this move by Eric Bianny, which I don't think will affect them. Maybe affects them, but it's it's a rough. It's been a rough go for the past year for the Broncos. I mean, they have the talent on the uh, uh, in the skill positions. They have they had really good talent on defense but they traded Bradley Chubb so um I don't know what direction they're going to go with yeah. <laughs> with with their future and we'll see if they drop they they sign some draft picks but you can't acquire a talent without draft picks and nope. you're not going to give up talent for other talent cuz you need you're just going to have to draft really well and possibly convince some free agents who hopefully can ignore the rumors from Seattle and any rumors that leaked out of Denver about working with with Russell Wilson, um, so that they'll sign a contract with Denver. But I, I, this this situation doesn't seem doesn't seem prosperous for Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, or the Denver Broncos. No, unless unless some magical. Fantasyland crap happens where they all just magically get on the same page, and they just go on the field, and Russell Wilson turns into, you know, second year, first year, or second year, third year Russell Wilson. But we'll have to see.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be a lot of what ifs there, and man, <laughs> like, uh you better if you're a Broncos fan, man, you are you are holding your breath because. Russ didn't work out so well. And what you saw is not inspiring confidence for year two. And now you give up another first round pick for Peyton. And it's, it's going to sound like I'm piling on here, man. But I mean, Peyton won one championship with Drew Brees and a really good defense that year. And the most emotional year that team has ever had in that city after, you know, Katrina and all that stuff. And it's a cool story. And you know? I'm not trying to knock it a rip on that. It's not like Sean Peyton. Has over and over again overperformed and gone above and beyond. Like he had a lot of mediocre teams with a lot of talent on it down there. Or, I mean, at least like good teams, but they didn't really perform in the playoffs all that well. Like he had Drew Brees, he had a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's like this is where you have to separate the good from the great. Like, is Sean Payton a great coach? We're gonna find out. Because if he can turn this team around with the mess it had last year, I think you could say, yeah, he is. Because he did turn New Orleans into a winner. Wasn't a consistent multiple-time winner. But he did win a Super Bowl. And he had some other good seasons. Now we'll see. Now it's going to be more about game planning. And making things work. And using the personnel you have. Because there's not a whole lot of moves that team can make with Russ's contract. So he's going to have to come in with what he has. And I think a good coach could make this work. We'll see. But. I uh, got some other NFL news. A few players potentially on a move. One definitely on a move. Uh, Bobby Wagner after signing that contract and apparently being mad at the world that he didn't re-sign with Seattle or whatever the deal was. I don't know. Um, I've never seen so many players get pissed for making like twenty million dollars a year. Uh, cut by the Rams because imagine that uh, they need salary cap room because they won the Super Bowl and then re-signed and restructured every key person, and then brought in Bobby Wagner. And that's not a bad move. Bobby Wagner's a fantastic player. But um, didn't really have the cap room for it. And now there's rumors that they're going to be trading Jalen Ramsey in the next couple of days. They gave up. They got absolutely fleeced in that Ramsey deal. Uh, you've been higher on Ramsey throughout his career than I have been. But I think we can both admit now that his, his uh, just to call it, to, to compare it to Revis, his Revis Island days are long behind him. He's no longer the premier. He's he's a bigger talker than he is player. Let's put it that way. Like you know, he'll he he's he's more likely to intimidate you by talking too much to you than he is with his play on the field now. What are they gonna get for him? You know, by king's ransom to get him. sounds a lucrative deal. Like yeah,
1: if I'm a team, Chris, this is this is how I approach the situation.
0: I asked the Bron- uh, the Broncos
1: the um. The Rams. I said, "Can I have permission to talk to Jalen Ramsey uh, privately?" And then I privately tell him, "Look, if we're going to trade for you, it is the understanding that you're going to shift from cornerback to a free safety position."
0: Go the uh, Charles Woodson
1: route. Go the Charles Woodson route. Like yeah. it's 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 just that time. He may think he is a dynamic cornerback still. I I don't think. As his speed diminishes, his effectiveness, he's not Richard Sherman. All right. He's not going to play his entire career as a corner. No. He doesn't have that skill. Um, He's not Darrell Rebus. So I think to extend his life as a player and to really elevate his standing as one of the premier – the best – uh, defensive backs in the history of football. I mean, this is a move I think he needs to make. Just because, if it if it shows that his skills have diminished as a corner, he, he can't make the plays, he can't cover, he can't do anything as a cornerback, and he's stubborn to move to safety. Uh, at some point, just someone's just going to say, "Yeah, you're you're done. You, you have yeah. nothing left." If you don't want to move to safety, and that will kind of help you see the field a little bit better. Maybe your hands are still good enough where you can make those plays. Uh, you may not be, have to be as physical in the free safety position if you can get on the right team. And it will really extend your life, and maybe you can get a not as great, but maybe another contract to where it will be a size amount of money to really give yourself security throughout the rest of your life. I think it would benefit him benefit his his legacy as a player in the NFL. Uh it would really give a, a team an excellent safety to pair with young corners or just outstanding corners. Um but I'd I wouldn't give up a first. I'd probably talk about a somewhere between a, <coughs> a, a second or a third and a fourth or maybe a future second and a fourth or just I, I, i'm I'm telling the Rams no to a first. that's that's oh, for total totally. and and I need to have that agreement that you understand that I may let you uh, we may let you play start at corner in your, your first year with us, but there may be a time during the season or the following season you're going to shift to safety because I just the skills are just diminishing. He's a bigger he's a bigger. Corner, it, it, bigger corners t- can have issues with longevity uh in the NFL because if they if they can't press and, and use their little use their hands to kind of get away with some stuff, you don't have that ability, and you may have the length, but if you don't have the speed to keep up with these young wide receivers, it, it's just not going to work out well for you. And a per- and a team can't sit there and put you in man put you on an island and say, all right, go get Jamar Chase, go get uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, go get Stefan Diggs. Like that's not going to happen. Not now with Jalen Ramsey. You're, you're past that. You're, you're not that guy anymore. And when he rationalizes in his head that I'm not that guy anymore, then he can move on to the next stage in his career. But if he doesn't do that, I'm just like, yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll draft a kid in the fourth round and, and, or the fifth round, and he'll probably give me a little bit more production Uh without, A, the headache, B, the price tag.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the guy's only 28, and he's only not even like 28 and a half. He just turned 28 like two months ago, three months ago. Um But this is how quickly certain positions drop off talent-wise. I mean, like you said. Not as fast as you are at that twenty years old as you were at twenty when you entered the league. He's only played eight seasons. It seems like he's been around forever. Certain guys, for whatever reason, seem like they've been around for for twenty years, and it ends up they've been around for you know, uh, not even ten. Um, you know, in his prime, one of the best not only talkers but defenders in the game. Uh, his prime, in my opinion, really ended about three years ago. Truthfully, I mean, maybe the year after the Rams got him. I mean, people are going to give me crap for saying that, but. He was more known for talking what he did in the past than he was for current, current production. Um, and it, it's one thing for a corner to not really get interceptions because he's never top four interceptions in his career. I'm looking at numbers right here; fours is as high, which is okay if you're shut down because that means it's like I remember our draft episode a few years ago and you said Jeff Okuda had like two picks in college. Yep. I'm like, how is he the number two or three pick then? And you're like, because nobody throws his way. And if you're locking down this side of the field and you don't have the stats, it's fine because you're locking down that side of the field. Jalen Ramsey isn't locking up anything anymore. Yeah, against subpar receivers or the second or third receiver he is. That Super Bowl two years ago, Jamar Chase made him look foolish. And if it isn't for Aaron Donald in that line, just absolutely terrorizing Joe Burrow, the Bengals win that game by three scores. Easy. Because especially on that very last throw that Burrow had a chance to make, Ramsey fell down for like the fourth time in the game. He fell and chase was wide open, but Burrow didn't have the chance to throw it because Aaron Donald was in his face. And I think you're starting to not only see the Rams realize, Oh man, we got caught up in it. Like a lot of teams do, which is why when a team is really good, they usually don't stay really good for really long. uh, Cause not everyone's Patrick Mahomes, not everyone's Tom Brady. Um, You don't see them stay, pending very long, because everyone tries, let's run it back. Let's bring back everybody. The Bucs tried doing that, too, and look what happened to them. Now they're three years later, two years later, after the Super Bowl, and they don't have their quarterback anymore. They have talented receivers. They don't know who's going to throw it to them. Uh, Even if they trade for a veteran, it's not going to be a long-term fix. It's going to be another another stopgap. You're not getting your franchise QB for the next 15 years. Uh, it can really mess with you if you don't do it smart. People want to criticize the Patriots, and they do all the time for their business mentality. Where it's, yeah, we know the fans love this guy, and we know he's a, he's a great player in our organization. But he now wants the kind of money he's going to get to go be the most important person at his position. And to us, he's not the most important person at his position, so we'll let him walk. And a majority of the time, that doesn't that serves them well. There's been a few guys. Chandler Jones has had a fantastic career outside of the Patriots. Um, mm-hmm. Some offensive linemen have done absolutely fine. There's a lot more Deion branches. There's a lot more Dion Lewis's and other people not named Deion. Um That Jimmy Collins forced into New England because he's coming back because <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's like you work well within that system. Uh, and that's fine if you're winning. Obviously, the Red Sox didn't for a long time. That was our frustration with them is they weren't um, – paying their players, but that's because they were paying other people to come in, even more money, and not getting the job done. So, I mean, you're seeing the Rams now having to offload some of this money to be able to afford, you know, their big-ticket guys. And Aaron Donald's talking. I mean, Matthew Judon's been recruiting Aaron Donald now for the past month, uh, as well as Bobby Wagner. So, uh, if Belichick needs an assistant GM, let's, let's put Judon in that role. He tries. He hasn't been very successful, but he's a lot of effort. He's trying really hard. Um, and I mean, they're rid of him and they gave Stafford, they extended Stafford, and now there's talks. Of that guy he might never be the same again, right? He had that one great year with great players around him, and that's fine. Then he comes out and he's not the same player the following year, and all of a sudden it's oh, I have all these injuries now. It's amazing. All these guys are hurt only once they stop performing at a high level. Um, and you know. Everyone's healthy when they're playing great, but the minute it doesn't, you know, even saw that with Mahomes. Mahomes is probably the best player in the league right now, overall, with all things being considered. And every time he would make a make a substandard play, all of a sudden his ankle hurt, and he get up and start limping. And it's like, okay, because the next play you run for twenty five yards, like you're fine, dude. Stop. Like you just, it, it, it's kind of sad. Uh, but yeah, at this point, Ramsey not a first. I wouldn't even give a second for him. I'd offer a third and a fourth. Uh, I'd offer, um, if it is a deal breaker and you really, really, really think you can have him be effective in your defense and you can talk to him. And like you said, talk to him separately and say, Hey, you're going to transition to safety. We want to bring you in. we want to make you a key part of it, but you're not the corner you used to be. You have to realize this, uh, if they could do that, then right. I'd have no problem making the draft pick additional, you know, make it a third or a fourth. If he makes the pro bowl or he gets X amount of interceptions or, he gets whatever metric they want to measure it by. Okay, make that a second round. Up it then. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But a first is absolutely completely off the table. I don't care if you don't have any other cornerbacks on your team. No way, no how. It's not worth that anymore. It hasn't been for three years. And do the best he can. Um, the Rams got to just take what they can get for him. If they're going to unload that contract, they're just going to have to Honestly, you are probably going to see somebody get him for like a third and a fifth, similar to like Darius Slay a few years ago. Yeah. Although Slay had far more in the tank than Ramsey has now. Um when he was traded. But still, I mean. And he could make an impact. He's not he's not a dumb player. He certainly hasn't lost the knowledge. He's lost the physical ability. So you transition. Pitchers do it all the time. Football players do it all the time. NBA players adjust. Like there's nothing wrong with that. If he's able to put his pride aside, he might have a nice you know, a good four or five years left. And, and, and
1: I kind of noticed, um, I was just looking back at um Rod Woodson. Um, he transitioned yep. from uh, a cornerback. Um,
0: Very successfully.
1: Yeah. He had one season with uh, San Francisco. Then he went to Baltimore his first season. And then immediately after that, he transitioned to free safety. Still had was that two, four, five seasons after that he played still. So the the blueprint's there. Mm-hmm. The problem I see with 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 Jalen is, you know, his completion percentage against has increased since his first year there in uh, L.A. It increases each year. His uh pass rating against him has increased now albeit his pass rating against him is still lower than it was in jacksonville but i think that's that part of that recipe is number 99 mm-hmm. uh, he's a strong factor in that but completion yards uh against is increased yards target uh targets increased Yards have increased against him. Uh, interceptions are still, you know, where they're at. But he does, he's not; I've never been, a, you know, like you said, he's not been that kind of guy, uh, turning the ball over. But his his touchdowns have increased against him, and I just I, I think, and, and when I think of him, he he's he's not a bad blitzer. So I think if if that could be another tool that he could add to his belt where if he shifts the free safety now, instead of being locked up on one side of the field all the time with one person, now he can kind of really expand his talent and be like, okay, I can shift and be one of the great free safeties Mm -hmm. in the game. And there's no shame on that. Rod Woodson was a safety. Roddy Lott was a safety Ed Reed is is talked about as one of the greats in the game. For good reason. <laughs> he Played free safety because the dynamic of, of his ability to change the game and run the ball 99 yards on an interception when he picked it off in the his opponent's end zone and run it all the way back. Like that's exceptional. And that's what he's done. So I think Jalen could could really reinvigorate his career to really have a nice back half of the career by just doing this one move. Mm -hmm. Will he do it? I don't know. He seems like a very confident guy with a big ego. I don't think he's that kind of player that's going to do it until someone, until he gets traded. I would say if he gets traded again and the reasons not finances, I think it might really resonate with him that, boy, I I, I don't know if I can play the corner position yeah. anymore. I'm not the same guy. That, that's, that might come to it, but if he's still going to be confident and, and, and arrogant about, you know, I'm going to play corner. This is my position. This has always been my position ever since I was a little kid. I'm gonna play it until they tell me I can't play football anymore. Well, then, you might be one of those corners that at age 30, 31, you might be gone. Yep. You know, and unfortunately, I, I think he can have a longer career than that. Similar to you know, like Devin McCourty's had a very, very long career, and it, he found out real quick in his second season that he can't play corner. Yeah. And now he's Hall of Fame, arguably a career. And,
0: uh, oh, he has got to be my first pal, but he's got to be a Hall of Famer at some point. Yeah.
1: He'll be in there. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I just, it, 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 but to get back to your point about everything going on in LA as a total, not just Jalen Ramsey, it's just funny that you had, you went all in. You got your Super Bowl ring, and now it's kind of slowly piecing apart. And and that kind of that kind of should really uh, resonate to the Chiefs, to the the Bengals, the Buffalo Bills to to a lesser degree. Teams that want to build that longevity, that that I don't want to say it, but that dynastic era in their in their franchise. You kind of have to say, hey, we can't sign everybody. Can't have every person come back. Yep. You need somebody – you need some players that are hungry. You, you need to have – you need to let some players go and find their their contract elsewhere. hmm And will the Chiefs be able to do that? They started it. Started it last year with, with Tyreek Hill. So – I'd like to see what, what they will do to try to maintain what they have going on in Kansas City. But the Rams found out real quick because they looked yeah. like they were Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, Aaron Donald. Like they, they were building something. Then oh, they, yeah. They made that quick shift. It's like, oh, let's do this. But it's like, ooh, but we're going hard in. And they got it. They got the ring. But now they're feeling it because they have, in my opinion, they have no shot at winning that, that division title. And to make the playoffs in the NFC, I I would venture, I guess, to say they're not going to be in my top – what's that, top seven? Yeah, they won't be in my top seven to start the season. And I'll predict they won't be – they'll be bottom dwellers – Uh, by the end of the season, and I'd have to look at it. I don't know if they still have their draft picks yet. So, Uh,
0: For me, it's going to depend on health. I mean, you know, Stafford can come back healthy. Cup can come back and be Cup. If Akers can play an entire season at a high level, a lot of what-ifs. All those have to go right for it to be what it was last year or two years ago. Um, Yeah, I think the next team to really, really deal with this is gonna be the Bengals because you have a team like the Eagles, right? And I know I just said Bengals. I'm not. I'm not showing off here. But you have a team like the Eagles, and they have talent at just about every position. Truthfully, I mean they're a very well rounded team. Obviously, receiving position adding AJ Brown uh, on top of um, Devonta Smith was. Great move. It's hard to believe a couple of years ago we were saying how bad this team was at receiving at the receiving position, and now it's like it's certainly not bad, <laughs> far better. Um, but a lot of what happens on that offense is a direct result of Jalen Hurts' his mobility and his ability to kind of do things on the fly, whereas the Bengals – Taking nothing away from Joe Burrow because he's looked nothing but, with the exception of a few a few weeks to start the season, he's looked nothing but impressive the entire time he's been in the league. But that he's not gonna run for the kind of yardage Jalen Hurts is or even a Daniel Jones is. That's not his thing, and the, believe me, the Bengals don't want him doing that. Um, they need money to make sure that line can stay up to par. You're gonna need some kind of running game or being able to pass downfield really doesn't matter. So you gotta make sure you have some kind of, you know, respectable running back. Which you can try to draft every four years and hope that works. That's fine. Uh, but you got a lot of talent here, receiver. And Burrow's not gonna be cheap. Burrow and Higgins, I think I think Higgins was the second round. He's the first pick in the second round. Yeah um so don't have to worry about a fifth year with him. So if they stagger those contracts, it's fine, but then you're gonna have Jamar Chase, and I'm gonna venture a guess here that Jamar Chase, when he signs a contract, is gonna sign the biggest contract in the history of the NFL for a receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and Burrow, even if he takes, he goes the Brady route and he takes a quote hometown discount, which maybe to an extent, but. Guy shows up in in chains and expensive suits and this and that. He's not looking to make less money. He wants to make his, and he thinks he's good enough to still get by, like Mahomes is, making that much money a year. Would the Bengals be smart to just, at the height of when he's going to matter most, going in with one season left after performing at a very high level, would they be smart? call me crazy here, to trade T. Higgins now. Because I think, truthfully, you could trade T. Higgins to a team, a a receiver desperate team, and get a mid- to late-first-round pick for him. I really believe that. I firmly believe that. He's talented enough. He just hasn't shined as brightly because of, you know, you have Jamar Chase, so they kind of cancel each other out a bit. Mm -hmm. They're not going to trade Chase. Chase is the guy. It's going to be Chase and Burrow. That's why they drafted him. If they weren't going to keep Chase, they would have drafted uh, the offensive line out of Oron Sewell. They would have drafted him at at the position instead of Chase. You're probably not going to be able to sign two top-tier premier-level receivers. No. It's not going to be functional for the rest of your team. If you want to keep a competitive defense and keep the rest of the offensive line in there for Burrow to keep him healthy – and then Burrow is going to command the king's ransom. You trade him now, if you can get a first for him, he's worth a first round pick. I would, if I saw it come across the uh, the whatever sports app is your uh, you choose to follow. Uh, Patriots trade their first round pick for T Higgins. I, I wouldn't bet an eye at it twice. I'd be like, sweet, we got T Higgins. Screw it, whatever. I mean, <laughs> we spent uh better first round position picks on less talented receivers. Uh sorry, Nikhil Harry. Had faith in you. Didn't pan out. Um so I mean he's certainly worth it. We're not talking about a guy who isn't going to perform. He's got the right attitude. He's got the size. He doesn't appear to be injury prone. Would you just move him now and be like, hey, we gotta get something well we can for him. I don't want I don't want a compensatory third round pick for him two years down the road. I want to get a first for him now. Then you can go draft another receiver. Hopefully he's just as talented and we got three or four more years on a rookie contract. I don't know. I'd consider it if I were them. If I were
1: them, I would 100%. Yeah. I would need to know what the future is for Taj Boyd,
0: Um, what his
1: his goals, his uh, contract demands are. They had this kid that seemed to be having good um, rapport with... Joe Burrow in the playoffs. I don't remember his name. He was like a fourth, fourth wide receiver. But like if you're the if you're the Bengals and you're just looking at it as like, can we sign both of them? Be truthful with yourself because yeah. you can't just say, Oh, well, we can tr- well, yeah we can sign both of them and we can sign Joe Burrow. Sure, you could. Okay. But where are the resources for the other positions gonna go? If you sign all three of those players, because you're not going to have all of it, right? So you need to understand so, that. And, Trent Taylor. And, that sounds familiar.
0: Trent Taylor, Stanley Morgan is raised as a fourth and fifth receivers. So
1: one, of, it's one of them too. So one of them, yeah. They seem to have good rapport. Um, uh, but I just don't. I don't think it's smart for them to 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 really go all in and just say we're going to go we're going to sign t higgins we're going to sign jamar chase and we're going to sign joe burrow it's just gonna not only are you putting your eggs all in one basket in the in the passing offense but you're just gonna hamstring some other aspect of your team whether it's whether it's the secondary or the defensive line or the offensive line but you can't you can't sacrifice the offense line because the past two years, what has been the biggest problem for the Bengals?
0: Offensive this, line. Offensive line. This
1: <laughs> year it was way. health because they did address it. But the previous year, was it was just that they weren't very good.
2: Yep.
1: So you need to have that. Well, you can't have everything. And you can't have a defense that is porous because you can't score 45 points a game whilst giving up 47 points a game. You, you can't As the do Lions that. found out this year. <laughs> it's not right. And maybe they'll make some moves and changes that, that kind of morph the defense in a better direction with some mm-hmm. draft picks and some signees. And the team maybe develops offensively a little bit better. But you're the Bengals. You're like, okay, we can get a first-round pick this year for T. Higgins we have a first round pick late in the draft if we get a mid round mid round pick for T Higgins there is a couple guys in there that may drop depending on you know and I know the quarterback position like wherever we say it's going to be pull push it up about two or three draft picks cuz that's where it's going to end up because it's so Important to try to get your franchise quarterback. So if the third and the fourth guy, which I, in my personal opinion, shouldn't even be drafted in the first round. Um, if they get drafted in the mid-tier of the first round and you're the Cincinnati Bengals and you get a 15, a 16, and you might get yourself the number two rated wide receiver and number three rated wide receiver. Now you've staggered your, your uh, wide receiver talent. Mm -hmm. maybe you want to draft a, a, a offensive lineman to help beef up maybe you want to get a corner but you understand that you're sacrificing not having t higgins so it's just a matter of what they have for resources in house but i think the best move would be to say t we like you we love what you do for the team you're an a great part of the offense, but financially we can't pay you, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow. So, this this is the direction we're going. But you also have to make sure that you put a contract in front of Joe Burrow when the time comes to say he'll say yes, and then subsequently put a contract in front of Jamar Chase, and knowing he'll say yes because you can't just. You can't just trade T. Higgins without knowing the facts right. of, of the fact that you're going to have to sign those two. You need to put the money in front of them because you've sacrificed T. Higgins.
0: Any reason right now, if you're the Bengals, you don't just go to Joe Burrow and say, we're not going to cancel the fourth year of your contract, but we want to do it with the Chiefs do with Mahomes. We're going to give you your deal. We're going to lock you up. We know you're the guy, which I think everybody can see that playing his day. And see whatever they can work out with him. That way they know. Because if by some miracle, this guy goes, I don't need to be Dak Prescott. I don't need to be Patrick Mahomes. I don't need to be Deshaun Watson. I want to win. I'm going to make my money elsewhere. I'm going to get plenty of money in endorsements throughout my career. I'm going to make pl- enough money for 10 lifetimes in one season anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to win. I want to be the best. I want to be talked about in the same breath as Mahomes and Brady and all these guys who draw history. I'm going to take a massive pay cut. I'll make. I'll take twenty, twenty two a year. It's crazy to me to think. I mean, hell, we were talking a couple weeks ago how how Tom Brady's entire Fox deal, ten year Fox deal he signed for broadcasting, is is right. worth more than he made throughout his entire career as a player, I mean, like three hundred and something million as a player. Now that's not even Mahomes' entire ten year contract. The times change so much. And Brady never went for all of it. He knew he had to take less to to have a good team around him. Mm -hmm. Maybe he does that, and then it's just all a moot point, and you can't afford both of them, and everybody's on the same page, and they say, yeah, we want to win. We want to be the best. We're going to make plenty of money anyways, so let's do this. Not likely. Maybe it's possible, but I think you start with Burrow, and then you go from there. Because if you don't, what if you trade Higgins, and then Burrow's like, yeah, I'll do it for 28 years. I want to win. (laughs) Okay, well. Now he's trying to take it. He didn't have to, but I mean,
1: I don't. Know. It's his fifth, yeah. His fifth year option has him if they if they um, accept it is twenty nine. Yeah. So I mean, if he takes thirty a year,
0: I mean, it sounds crazy. That used to be a massive contract, but now for a quarterback, I mean, they're talking about Daniel Jones getting forty five a year. Are you insane?
1: And, and and if he does that, Chris, I I heard that too. Uh, the website I use is predicting, uh, Burrow to get forty-four annual, uh, six six and two sixty-four. If Daniel Jones gets forty-five, forget that number.
0: Oh yeah. yeah,
1: forget that number because if you're Joe Burrow, even though you want to be team first and everything, you're going to look at Daniel Jones's contract and say there is no there's no reason I should get paid less than him. Even if you want to be a team first guy and we know that with the TV deals and and, and the revenue coming in, the, the, the salary cap increases every year. So, you know, you do, if if you, if you're Joe Burrow, you look at the team and say there is a, you guys do build in a increase of probably about five or $6 million each year. Um, when the salary goes up. And if it goes up more, great. Uh but that that'll be the problem is what is what is Lamar Jackson's contract look like? What does Daniel Jones' contract look like? Because quite honestly, the two of them have done less than what uh Joe Burrow does. Yeah. And quite frankly, he should he should be able to look at Josh Allen's contract and be like, yeah. You see what he did, He has? I, I get nothing less than that because he's done more than what Josh Allen's done. So it, it, it's not like it's a pissing match between the quarterbacks, but you're kind of looking at the, the market of, of what's been established. And the only outlier right now is Holmes because yeah. he has two rings. He has three appearances and he's in his fifth year, I think now so fifth or sixth year and he's now doing it with lesser talent so uh-huh. he is the outlier so him getting his 500 million dollar contract i think wow. really really he really kind of cemented that as a yeah he he, he earned that because the revenue he's going to bring in uh the fan base uh attraction the contracts he gets with advertisers the contracts yeah. that the team is going to get from advertisers everything like, that comes everything that comes with him it, it really substantiates his contract so i think if 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 joe thinks he's going to get that he's out of his mind but if i'm joe i don't know if i go too too low because you, like I said, you have to factor in the increase each and every year. You yeah. have to factor in some contracts are going to come up at some point. So I think if I were to sit down, if you were to you know press to me, like, what is the number? I think the number is probably going to be 45.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And if that's the case, then he's just another quarterback who took a big payday and his team's going to suffer down the road for that. And that is what it is. That's his right to do if he chooses to. But um, yeah, there's a reason why it's called generational talent. And Mahomes, if if anybody ever has been Mahomes, Mahomes, Jordan, LeBron, Brady, I um, know those other people I'm forgetting, but they are the epitome of what generational talent truly means. Like they come from nowhere, uh, but not maybe not out of nowhere. Some some are high picks, but you never expect the level of you expect a, comp- a good, solid, competitive player. You don't expect a a guy who can literally transform the game essentially on a whim, and it's almost like I mean you watch these guys; it's almost like you're playing a video game. Mm -hmm. In their prime, it's amazing. I see guys like Kobe. um, You know, I don't know much about much about the NHL, but I assume guys like Gretzky and others along the way. uh, And you know, baseball you get you get your greats, your Clemens, you get your your Bonds. And then a bunch of other guys who actually make the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> why well, those two should be, they won't. But that's it. That's another story. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, this is why it's so hard. We talk about it all the time. We compete year after year, year after year. It's tough, and it's really hard to maintain. And I know the Chiefs are good, and they're talking, we're a dynasty, and we're this and we're that. And Mahomes is special, but um, so much has to go right. And there's a lot of money wrapped up in him. And it's going to get to the point where it is detrimental. They lose Travis Kelsey. Kelsey gets hurt. Kelsey decides to retire. Um, That changes everything significantly. Mm -hmm. You don't have Mm -hmm. the security. Not to say Mahomes can't win or they couldn't be competitive or they can't do it. It's just going to make it a lot harder. There's certain players that make it easier, and they still have a few of those guys. Mahomes is the main cog, but um, Burrow can't expect that kind of money if you haven't done it. You didn't win a Super Bowl. Whether you should have or shouldn't have, you didn't. And you didn't beat the Chiefs this this past season when, you know, you should have won that game. Thank the officials for that still. I'm not going to die on that hill. Uh, doesn't matter, though. You still didn't make it. You still didn't win it. End of story. And you got to do it before you put in that category. And we're all too happy to put people, people already put Mahomes in Brady's category because he has more passing yards and stuff like that before a certain age. And it's, Hey, but if Mahomes keeps on this trajectory for the next 10 years, he's going to absolutely obliterate every passing record known to man. No doubt about it. But my God, does a lot have to go right in that amount of time for that to actually take place. So much easier said than done. But I say it all the time. The fun part is, we get to watch it and see what happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So it'll be entertaining regardless. That's going to do it for me this week. You all set?
1: Well, I'm all set.
0: All right. Thank you very much for listening to episode 198. We appreciate the support. If you have any questions on this episode, past episodes, or anything else sports supports you at all, Ben, I'd love to hear from you. And where can you get in touch with us?
1: Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSPod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. The website, bctspod.com. And Instagram Ben underscore Chris Talk Sports.
0: If you haven't done so yet, and feel so inclined, please whatever you download your favorite podcast, leave a rating, review, and ask a friend to do the same. We greatly appreciate it. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next weekend.
2: Thank you.